Welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and creative entrepreneur, bringing you interviews, inspiration, and information on writing, publishing options, and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author blueprint, and lots more information at thecreativepen.com. And that's pen with a double N. And here's the show. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is an extra in-between episode for episode 502 of the podcast. It is Friday the 14th of August 2020 as I record this. So dating this is important because this is a futurist extra or I guess a current state of the future episode. So you know how interested I am in audio and I've shared my voice double before. Um, it's I've shared two iterations of it and you can find them at thecreativepen.com forward slash voice double and as this went through various stages of development and of course I had a whole section on voice technologies as part of my book audio for authors well descript.com the company I have been working with have now released overdub which is what they call their little part of the software and anyone can go in and get a voice double so you can get Descript at Descript.com and you can train a voice double too. It's available to everyone and it just takes 30 minutes of training. You can add extra I have just done the 30 minutes and uh, we've been talking about this for a while but Mark Leslie Lefebvre and I finally had a conversation between our voice doubles which is what you're going to hear today. So I'm going to play the voice double conversation and uh, it's about six minutes and I'd love you to listen all the way through because some parts you're like, yeah, that's definitely a robot and other parts you think, whoa, who's actually speaking here? So I think it's quite uncanny. Uh, Then afterwards, I'm going to come back, be me, uh, the real me, (laughs) and I'm going to uh, play some comments from my patrons on their reaction And then I'm going to play a second in-person Real Me and Real Mark uh, conversation that we had after we made it. And we talk about how we did it. We talk about what we thought, how the training went and our thoughts on both the exciting things and the concerning things about this technology. As ever, it is a double-edged sword, just like the internet, which is a place of great wonder and possibility that most of us could not live without at this point, uh, or find it very difficult, obviously, and a place of uh, terribly bad things and uh, awfulness, depending on where you look. I don't go near that end of the internet. My internet is a wonderful place. (laughs) And we have to stay on the side of good, um, I think, personally, because that's you know we want to create great things in the world so I (laughs) I think you'll find this very interesting so over to the voice doubles hi Mark hey Joe how are you doing I'm good so how's lockdown where you are how are things in Canada lockdown has actually allowed me to discover new types of creativity in myself where I seem to have prevented myself from writing prose, but I rediscovered the joy of doing parody videos and experimenting with different forms of creativity. So I have the energy inside me to tell story, to want to share and amuse and entertain, and I redirected it into a different output that satisfied that part of my soul that needs to write, and now I'm back writing again. But while I was struggling, it was really good to have that outlet. I also struggled at the beginning, and I did a flurry of business activities. I made a couple of online courses, including one on turning what you know into an online course, which was, you know, useful and also... Very meta. Yes, very meta. 
and also made some money. So that was really good because the first instinct is the survival instinct, which is, I just need to make some more money in order to survive this, whatever this is. And then there's that period of, okay, this isn't just over quickly, and the zombie apocalypse has not arrived, and now I need to finish that novel. I did manage to change up my creative routine and to finish Map of the Impossible, but we are talking about artificial intelligence today because we are both enthusiasts, but there are clearly positives and challenges. What do you think are some of the positive things that AI could bring to authors? I think it could help us with some of the processes that may be redundant, or take too much time. If we can leverage those tools for the things that will help us and free us up to do the more human creative stuff, that can be a really good thing. We can get more done. We can create more. We can produce more. Yes, I agree that it's going to help us, and I think AI as a tool is what we need to focus on. In the same way that we do research with the internet, we use Scrivener to write, we use Vellum for formatting, we use the internet and all the wonderful tools like draft to digital and lots of other wonderful companies who help us publish. Without these tools, we would not be able to reach people with our books. Think about it as similar to the internet. If we wind the clock back to the internet of 1986, or even 1995, we didn't know then what it was going to turn into. Now the internet is this wonderful, amazing, incredible place that we all spend a lot of time on and use to create, and learn and entertain ourselves. And it's also the cesspool of humanity, so we can use it either way. Also, when the ebook came out, there was a lot of fear in the book industry about the ebook killing the print book. But it didn't. It only added to the possibilities of what a book could be. It expanded it and, like vinyl, the print book is still doing well, and also expanding in new formats. So I think that if we approach artificial intelligence with the same optimism, and yet with a bit of caution, we can use it as a tool that benefits us in the long run. I want to be part of the disruption, not be the disrupted. Good slogan. You should put that on a t-shirt. I think being part of the disruption is a really good way to look at it, and also, putting a positive spin on creativity. Creativity often involves some form of destruction, and we may have to destroy some of our own practices in order to move into the new way of doing things. I think one of the biggest shake-ups we need is a copyright law so that machine learning can incorporate modern bodies of creative work and still reward the creator. I think that's probably one of the biggest issues right now. In order to incorporate all the different voices in the world, we're going to need to train the big data algorithms on much more varied data, but again, we need authors to be rewarded. I would like to see an overhaul of copyright law for an era of artificial intelligence, so that we get some kind of micropayment for the use of training data, because GPT-3 is not plagiarizing. This is the huge shift, I think, because if GPT-3 is not plagiarizing, and we've seen a lot of examples of plagiarism in the author community, we're going to see a lot more books being produced by these AI content farms, where our work is used for training and is not plagiarized. That's why copyright law needs to be overhauled. Do you think the publishing industry is ready for this? No, the publishing industry is not. They're playing ostrich and are continuing to, even during this pandemic. They haven't even fully embraced print-on-demand properly for distribution. I think blockchain and those technologies are going to be a critical component of ensuring that copyright can be protected in the future. One of the other positives is that many authors don't enjoy the marketing side, and I have found, in particular with Amazon ads, where the author brand is very clear, the auto ads work and make money once they've optimized themselves. In that way, we are already using artificial intelligence and machine learning in order to advertise. That is hopefully a sign of what is to come around discoverability, which is one of the perennial issues for authors. 
I would also like to see a more intelligent artificial intelligence that can discern the emotional resonance of a book and recommend other books that offer a similar emotional experience. We are missing that right now. I agree and I am really disappointed because it was almost 10 years ago when I saw the first iteration of companies like BookLamp and books like The Best Seller Code. I'm disappointed that we haven't yet been able to leverage those tools, because rather than an Amazon marketing ad where you're manually contriving stuff, manually manipulating things that may not be reality, this should go to the heart of how that book makes you feel. That could potentially reduce the gamification and the BS that we have to deal with now, where some books are well marketed but are not that good and books that are fantastic may be undiscovered. To wrap this up, if people want to surf this change rather than get drowned in it, what is your number one recommendation for authors? Step back and look at artificial intelligence with your business hat on, rather than with your emotional writer hat. Our emotional writer hats can really mess us up and prevent us from understanding and embracing the technology. What do you think? I come back to the importance of Kevin Kelly's 1000 true fans. The market is going to get more and more and more fragmented. We need to be okay with living in the long tail and writing what we love and selling books, and exciting readers in the little area that we write in. Double down on being human. We can't beat the machine, but we can work with the machine to create something more exciting for our collective future. That was beautiful. Right, so it's me again, the real me. I would love to know what you think about the voices and the conversation. And uh, I personally think the greetings are the most machine-like. But as we get into it, I think there's definitely parts where I was, because it's my words, um, I feel like, wow, that actually does sound like me. It's definitely got my intonation. So you can tweet me at The Creative Pen or leave a comment in the show notes of episode 502. Uh, or you can email me, joanna at thecreativepen.com. If you have a comment or thoughts or are you excited or how do you feel about this or uh, yeah. And uh, remember, this is still still early days. So a bit like with the GPT-3 that I've talked about, which got a hundred times better in one year can you can we even imagine where this is going to be in a year a year's time so thanks to my patrons who got early access to the conversation and I asked for comments to share and uh, Sophia says uh, and I can't share all of them. Thank you, patrons. But lots of you left a comment. So thank you. Faya says, it is obvious that it isn't a human, but it's definitely very recognisable as you. A bit monotone with less emotion and laughing. Can you teach it to laugh like you? (laughs) And actually, a lot of my patrons said that the fact that I do laugh and giggle when I talk is part of the thing that makes it recognisably me. So that's interesting. Anita says, this is still a bit robotic due to the pauses, but I think it is remarkably good. I could see applications of this in AI reading articles or books written that don't have an audio version readily available. To hear it in the author's own voice would be cool. Absolutely. And that's... I see that coming a while back I reported on something where they uh, in China I think it is they're now doing audio in voices of authors so using presumably similar technology 
Jerry says it was the uniform pace that made it sound mechanical. I'd probably be okay with this for a business book, but no way would I want it to narrate fiction, where the emotional nuance is important. Still, it is astonishing what this enables. I feel as though it's like the early scanned copies that came out as ebooks. The words are there, but the reading or listening experience is diminished. And uh, I remember this too, Jerry. In, in the early days of ebooks, what happened was publishers did a lot of scanning so they might scan old books you still get this occasionally you'll get a print on demand book which is obviously from a scanned copy of an old book because the font's all weird but now uh, ebooks are nicely flowing and much better designed but at the beginning a lot of them were just scanned pdfs and they didn't flow on the page and stuff so you're right it's a bit like that kim says that was very impressive. Yes, it sounded robotic, but it didn't sound like a robotic robot. It sounded more like when we say to a person, perhaps someone doing a stage read who is feeling self-conscious, try and relax, you're sounding robotic. (laughs) It was very believable as being you and Mark. It was definitely your voices. And there was more inflection than I expected. What it lacked was warmth and the humanity that lurks in a giggle which is, uh, yeah, definitely did lack warmth. I think the other thing is, and we talk when I play the conversation with Mark, we did edit our words. So when I'm speaking, you'll obviously get the more human things because I'm talking extemporaneously and I don't edit all this out. You know, sometimes I'm reading from the screen and sometimes I'm just talking like I'm talking now. And that makes it sound more human too, because there are pauses there were extra filler words and we got rid of all of those and we so it was more like a narration I think that's important to say as well it was a narration rather than a conversation and that definitely was obvious And Jeff from the Big Gay Fiction podcast says, it's amazing that we only found a script and saw Overdub a year ago at Podcast Movement. And that is totally true. So I met up with Jeff and Will at Podcast Movement in Orlando last year and I was walking the floor of the exhibition area and I saw this company, Descript, and their tagline is something like, you know, edit audio by editing text. And I looked at it, I went, that is what I want. And I went over and I started talking to them and they, they mentioned this overdub possibility. And that's when I said, yes, I want in. So this has really all happened in a year from the first audio doubles I shared to now. And so that's what I mean in, in, a, in another year's time. What's it going to be? Uh, Jeff says, I also used my AI to do voiceover for some training videos I needed to do for my day job. I didn't tell my colleagues I'd done this until after they'd watched and approved the voiceover. They were stunned it was not the real me. It makes recording the voiceover for these videos much easier in terms of maintaining recording levels and ease of editing the script. Will and I got our voice AIs done as well and I'm super happy with the flexibility it gives us. So I think that's fascinating Jeff saying that because I can see the application for authors doing videos. So I'd like to do more videos, say with pictures and that type of thing. But it's so much work to do those type of things. Whereas I can see that I could do images and then maybe I could have, I could just try with the AI because it's a more narration experience. How it'd be interesting to see what that's like. So there are lots of applications. And finally, I picked this one comment from Diana, who says, 
there is still a long way, I think, until voice doubles can get all the nuances right to trick us. But I think for some areas, they don't even have to. We will know it's AI and we will accept that anyway. And I just thought that was exactly right. And in fact, it kind of gives me chills to even read Diana's comment because I think that's exactly right. We're going to know it's AI and we'll accept it anyway because it gives us whatever we were looking for, whether that's information. You know, I listen to audiobooks, non-fiction audiobooks for information purposes at 1.5 speed and I'll speed it up if I can. Does it really matter? It's really hard. It's a hard, uh, it's a hard line. And Mark and I talk about this in uh, the next conversation. So there were lots of comments. Thank you to all my patrons. Uh, I'd love to hear what you think. So please leave a comment on the show notes or, you know, you can always go to thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast and leave a comment or tweet me at thecreativepen or email me joanna at thecreativepen.com. So here's real Mark and me talking about the process of doing it and our thoughts on the whole thing. And episode 503 will be with you on Monday as usual. So Mark, we did our recording. Yeah, that was, um, it was interesting <laughs> to say yes. the least. So yeah, so honestly, what did you think of your voice? So I think my voice still sounds a little stilted and awkward and yours sounds really well done. It's almost as if you did way better training and I'm not sure what that was because the training was the same. Did you do the full 40 minutes? I did 30 minutes. Okay, so let's explain to everyone listening. So basically, we are both we both have Descript.com, which yep. is basically you can download the software and then they have an overdub tutorial, which is you essentially have to read The Wizard of Oz, the story, and it tells you you've recorded five Wait, minutes, you 10 minutes. The Wizard of Oz? Yes. What did you get? I got this classic 1800 uh, snowman story about this snowman that this little snow girl that these kids built. And uh-huh. it's like it was from Quebec. Like it was like a old classic Canadian story. And I had to read the whole story. And it was fascinating because I'd never heard it before. I have no idea who wrote it. It's obviously public domain. Okay, so that's wow. interesting. So we both got different stories. And I actually found The Wizard of Oz slightly difficult because as you say, it's definitely older language. And yeah. it's not a very good story. And there wasn't actually much dialogue. And so when I was reading, it's funny you say that my voice sounds better. I thought my voice was very good. I thought the most stilted bit was our greetings. But the yeah. longer sections were very were actually pretty good. And some parts I was like, whoa, that actually sounds just like me because it's yeah. my words as well. But in doing the training, I probably probably overacted so maybe that's what you did wrong I very no, much I overacted. oh you did overact oh, yeah well. I did I did because there were voices and I did the little boy's voice and the little girl's voice and the mom's voice and the dad's voice like oh, I did okay all- no you did too much then because it's maybe. still meant to be your voice so I didn't oh. do special voices I didn't put my voice up a pitch or down a pitch I just read it but with feeling So I think maybe you should redo your data and don't do little girls and, you know, guys' voices just because (laughs) you... You don't like my little voice? That sounds more like Mickey Mouse, but... Uh Oh, Disney's going to come after us. (laughs) But that's the thing. It's training your voice as Mark, not your ability to do different voices. So there you go. I I just changed the inflection a little bit and raised it a tiny bit. But yeah, you're right. That probably messed it up. It might have done, but equally, you're Canadian. I've, this is, just to be clear to people, this was the third iteration for both of us, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the difference was that the last, we were in the beta section before and they did it specially for us and used our voices in training sessions. And now it's open to everyone. And yeah. if you get Descript, I think you can even get it free for 15 days, 14 days, whatever it is. And right. you can try it out. And then if you want to keep using the voice and it can only be your voice, just to be clear, we both recorded our own sections and then you edited it together. It's not like I got your voice and made up your words and put it with mine. That's not possible yet. But just in overall, did you get Liz to listen to it or has anyone else heard yours? No, she hasn't heard it yet. I was telling her about it last night at dinner, but I haven't uh, shared it. Yeah, I think some of the things that I thought were weird was uh, when I when you were saying something and I jokingly said very meta, I, I couldn't figure out because again, you sometimes you have to AI, for example, you had to spell it out uh, so mm. that the computer would read it properly, like Lefebvre. I didn't use it there, but in previous uh, iterations, I've had to spell it so that it sounds differently, not <laughs> which is what it would come out like <laughs> most people. So that was that was interesting, but the previous times. I was actually having a conversation with Liz when she was in the other room and I was typing it in and Overdub was responding to her and she thought she was talking to me. Wow. Okay. And I got Jonathan to listen to our conversation and he was like, yeah, that was really weird. And because he's met you and spoken to you and heard you on podcasts and things. So he knows your voice. And I it, I think it's quite stunning. Like, I think it's probably, I would say with my voice, it's probably 80% now. What do you reckon yeah. with mine? Yeah. Yeah. You're at 80%. Maybe I'm at 70. Mm, it's interesting though. I definitely, mm. I think as I listened a bit longer if you listen to the whole thing and you settle into it it's you get over Jonathan said oh it's like there was a bad connection on Skype (laughs) (laughs) exactly and we're all used to that right now Yeah, exactly so I wonder if anyway I guess the point is that we did that and and you mentioned a few words there the trick on the AI thing is because I normally just write it uh, capital A capital I is that there were meant to be dots between uh, so A dot I dot or period or full stop, whatever you say in your country. (laughs) (laughs) And then a couple of things. So I still can't get it to say creatives. So I normally say hello creatives, right? Yeah. And that's, I was wondering why you altered that because when we, so uh, we, we recorded our own conversation and then Mm. you transcribed it uh, or had a system transcribe it. Mm. And then we tweaked it a little bit because there were some awkward things that we had said. And then you fed your lines into Descript and I did the same thing and then I patched them together like that 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 was the overall process right yeah exactly and and as you say I had to it it won't say it says creativity but it doesn't say creatives it says creatives and I could (laughs) not and I it says hello creatives and I'm like yeah this is a big thing that I say I can't use that so I changed it to authors and I've sent it to Descript and said this is a bug I picked this bug up before that it can say creativity but not creative so really interesting and then also it wouldn't say mass market it kept going mass mass oh, and I was yeah, like <laughs> yeah because I was looking at the script because I was following the script while mm. I was listening to the voices to make sure I could patch it together and as I was following I went oh there, that she tweaked that but obviously there was a problem with that yes but isn't that interesting because if we think about this sort of moving it forward into the future uh, we've talked both of us have talked about writing for audio and yeah. writing for uh, a narrator and what we were doing there is tweaking our language 
for an AI narrator so <laughs> that it, and, and also what I ended up doing, I don't know if you did, I put more punctuation in. So I might've done a dash for a longer breath or a um, space to separate the text more. So there was a, yeah. a longer pause. Did you do that? Yeah, I did a little bit of that because I would first, what I love about it is you copy and paste or type it in and then it, it tells you how many minutes it's going to take to to do it. And it doesn't really take that long. And then I listen to it and then I adjust it, right? You go, mm. I'm going to tweak this. I'm going to put a pause here or I'm going to change the spelling. So <laughs> see if it, because even with the, the very meta, I tried about six different ways. Uh, oh, okay. And I think I spelled meta differently. And then I put an exclamation point. Then I tried it with a, a question mark because the intonation of my voice just didn't. It <laughs> didn't, didn't match it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was almost I, tempted I to do my it. real voice in there, sneak it in. See if oh, you know. no, that's cheating. <laughs> but I did I th- not want to cheat. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I changed it to M-E-T dash A exclamation uh, mark. I did M-E-T-A-A or something like that. Ah, Um, there we go. But this is what's interesting, right? Because I have rewritten my own uh, writing for my own narration. And this felt like, oh, I'm adjusting the way I say things in order to fit the voice double and the little quirks of it, which is, again, really interesting. And in fact, when you work with a professional narrator, so I've worked with American narrators, and I've had to adjust, in inverted commas, their pronunciation. So that is not exactly Mm. uh, an unusual thing. It's just that we did it with this voice double. <laughs> yeah. And, and, it, and it's funny when you, when I think about voice and I think about altering the way you ask for things or so when mm. you think about when you're communicating with uh, Alexa or Google, you can't just say it in normal human talk. You have to begin with, Hey X, I don't want to trigger my system in my yeah. room here, but tell me about my day or, or play this or whatever. So we're already adjusting in other ways with how we interact with AI. Yeah. And I think it's this is also interesting because both you and I have talked about what we're excited about, because even in our AI discussion previously, <laughs> um, about how we're excited about maybe doing audio dramas. And we've just given an example of putting two voices together in a conversation. Yeah. And and we've created something that is definitely not audiobook ready or voice audio drama ready, but it's still interesting. So what do you think in terms of a voice market and this kind of thing being much more mainstream? What should we what date should we put our fingers in the on? Say this well, is this will happen. Well, I, I'm I'm thinking by 2021, only because you and I have seen this technology skyrocket in the past couple of years, right? From the very first iteration to where we are now is, is phenomenal. Okay, just to be clear, we're recording this in the middle of August, 2020. So yes. you're, you're, you reckon within six to 12 months? Six to 12 months, I think we'll probably be there, which which also I'm optimistic about that, but I'm also concerned because I, you and I obviously want to be in on the ground floor and checking it out early days because, you know, we've been fascinated <laughs> for years with this. <laughs> but we want to make sure that there's some control that it's not, it's not pure chaos. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And like both that's of a concern us, you have, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And both of us have, uh, we have a chance to put these voices out in the wider sense and we're not, neither of us are going to at this point in time. I definitely feel like I want to control my voice given how good it is already. And the fact that I think it, does sound like me I'm actually going to record something and send it to my mum and say mum 
this is not me speaking and I want her to be aware. And this, I think, is the reason you and I also get into this is because if we don't engage with the technology and deny its existence and just say, oh, that won't affect us, that won't affect authors, it's fine, then this rise of deep fakes of which it is incredible at this point already people have to be aware that this stuff can be faked and i feel older people particularly but let's face it we're older people at this point (laughs) i think young me more than you of course (laughs) yeah i think young younger your son probably totally understands about deep fakes and understands that these things can happen but it may be the teachers at liz's school or some of the authors we meet who are like no way it'll never be good enough But I think, as you say, I'm probably more going to say 18 months. And I don't normally say longer period, but I'm picking 2022 (laughs) for when this becomes more mainstream and that maybe we have voice markets, maybe we have more actual AI narration of, of more stuff. Obviously, that's available now, but I think it will be it will become much more common. Yeah, and I plan on experimenting with this. I did a, I, I, I self-narrated the seven P's of publishing success because it's relatively short, and it's only about fourteen thousand words. And then I had uh, one of Jim Kukul's company mm. uh, do uh, do Brian British male voice. Uh, oh yes. for ninety nine cents. And I'm thinking, why don't I do a fake Mark for ninety nine cents as well? So you can have the <laughs> the cheap fake voices for a good yeah. price, or you pay the full six ninety nine if you want my voice. But here's something that fascinates me, because I'm sure you've thought of this uh, as well, because of of fiction writing, is I'm thinking, oh, using my fake voice, how could someone really get me in trouble, right? By having a recording of me saying something that's completely not my character or incriminates me about something, right? Like, it could be a a personal matter where, you know, there's, I leave a message, it's my voice leaving a message on on Liz's cell phone saying, hey, I I just slept with a hooker or or, or whatever the thing is, or I'm leaving you or whatever though, like to really mess up someone's life. Because yeah, or, or someone leaves my voice on your phone saying, thanks for last night, Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, Jonathan it, and Liz yeah. both get a hold of this and go, what the, what the heck? Wait, what? And we're like, yeah, we live on the opposite sides of the ocean. Yeah. But, but well, no, yeah but, fortunately, yeah. we're now all separated. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, this, is, but this, is what's, this is what I mean by the deep fake and the need to be aware of it. Um, because obviously this has happened in the, in the pornography community. There have been lots of actresses and I'm sure Actors have also been put in these situations where they weren't doing those things and they've been right. faked on video and we've seen the fake videos and now we, we can do these fake voices, but it's not just famous people anymore. It's people like us. We want people to be aware. I think that's the thing with AI, isn't it? It's this double-edged sword of like the internet, it can be amazing or it can be terrible and we need to be aware of both. Yeah, for sure. So again, I think we're both cautiously optimistic. Yes. And what it comes down to, as the AI voice said, is that uh, trusted brand. Hopefully you and I have a clear enough brand amongst our, the people who know us online that right. if I heard a recording of you saying something that I thought, that's not Mark, that's not, as in that's not what Mark would say. Rather, that's Mark's voice, but that's not what 
you would say, then I hope that as a friend, I would contact you and say, hey, just just checking. A bit of people email me all the time and say, oh, hey, I've seen your book on one of these um, pirate sites. And I'm like, okay, great. And sometimes I do a takedown, sometimes I just ignore it. But in the same way, I hope that people would email us and say, oh, hey, I heard your voice on this advert saying this particular software is the best thing ever and I should buy it. Just checking. (laughs) Do you mean that? (laughs) Is that you or fake uh, Facebook profiles, for example, where I have somebody mm. reach out who's already a friend and go, um, I, I, I like to play with them and, and, and ask them something that's wrong uh, <laughs> so that they respond in the positive And I know for sure it's not them because, <laughs> but it's that kind of thing, right? Then you check with your friend and say, hey, check your account. Something might've been hacked because they're using your picture and your likeness to pretend to be you. It, it's, yes. just, it's that courtesy we have with our friends and the people that we know and trust. Yes, exactly. So I think, again, the message for everyone listening is be aware of what's happening and use these things as in a positive way. And also, as we've talked about, it's some kind of licensing and copyright. And let's hope the blockchain speeds up a bit and <laughs> that, that we get things in place that can at least protect this new Wild West. Because it is like the Wild West of AI right now. And there's not enough protection ar- around this stuff. So yeah. Yeah, we live in interesting times, do we not? <laughs> yeah, well, see, I, here's here's what I'm thinking next level. So mm. the AI of the voice, but then the AI of the voice of a writer, which I know you've talked about a lot on your podcast, is imagine that there's enough of our voices as as personalities and the things we've said on our podcasts and in public speaking. And then they use our fake voices and a fake generation of, uh, of a, a completely fake conversation between us. <laughs> And to see if it would actually say the things we would say. And that kind of sounds like what Joanna would say. And it sounds like Joanna. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like a double layered. AI. That's of basically course. what we've done. We recorded ourselves chatting and then we got the AI to say that. So the words do resonate with our people. Yeah, with our <laughs> brand. But what I'm saying is imagine that the whole conversation was as if Mark and Joe talked about this. Mm. they say just like it generates speech based on the jf pen for fiction in the style of jf pen (laughs) that's what i was wondering that kind of i absolutely think that with gpt3 for example which you know has come out in recent weeks that is definitely going to be possible which is why this all suddenly seems quite real and far more real than it has done even for me and and i've been thinking about this for years yeah. And I do think that the pandemic is accelerating these technologies at an incredible rate. And that's why we have to be aware. So I, anything else we want to say to people? Again, let's hold your hands up and balance the good and the bad. And let's try and make the good the bigger part. That's right. Because with great power comes great responsibility. I can't remember who said that. but you know. Haven't you got a t-shirt with that on or something? I'm, I'm wearing a Spider-Man t-shirt. You love Spider-Man. I do. okay mark thank you so much for this this has been fun it has been thank you joe thanks for listening today i hope you found it helpful you might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast you can also get your free author blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at The Creative Pen or find me on Facebook at The Creative Pen. See you next time.